coming up on the Mission Readiness Podcast. We give young men and women skills, knowledge, and confidence so they can become productive, responsible Americans who appreciate our maritime services. Mission Readiness is the organization of retired admirals and generals working to prepare America's youth for success. Join us as we talk with respected leaders about the challenges facing our next generation. And now, retired U.S. Army Brigadier General Rich Gross. Welcome to the Mission Readiness Podcast. I'm your host, Rich Gross. With me today as my co-host is Becky Mendoza, who's a senior associate for Mission Readiness and also one of the producers of the podcast. Becky, how are you? I'm doing well. Great to be here. It's good to have you. Hey, I'm curious, have you ever heard of the Sea Cadets? Before planning for this podcast, I had not heard of the Sea Cadets and having worked in K-12 schools, I'm really excited to hear what our guest has to tell us all about it today. Well, our guest is the executive director of the Sea Cadets, Admiral Andy Lennon. We're going to talk to him, find out what these Sea Cadets are, how it helps youth better prepare for lives as adults and lives as service, uh, to include military service if possible. I'm excited to talk to him. So without further ado, let's get to our guest. Well, my guest on today's podcast is retired United States Navy Rear Admiral and current Executive Director of the U.S. Naval Sea Cadet Corps, Andy Lennon. The Sea Cadets is a maritime-based youth leadership development program for children and youth ages 10 to 18 with a mission that aims to build leaders of character. The program is sponsored by the U.S. Navy and supported by the U.S. Coast Guard. Admiral Lennon, welcome to the Mission Readiness Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's a real pleasure. Now, it's great to have you. Before we talk about some of the awesome work you're leading with the Sea Cadets, it'd be great to hear a little bit about your Navy career, how you got into the Navy, and, and what you did while you served. Well, when I was a young boy, I was really fortunate to spend a lot of time around boats and the water. And I just loved being at sea. I loved the spray of salt water in my face. So I just developed a passion and a love for the sea at a very early age. When I was in high school, I did pretty well in math and science. And so when I was looking at what to do after high school, the U.S. Naval Academy provides a great opportunity to combine a technical education with the opportunity to spend a career at sea. And so that really appealed to me. And I was very blessed indeed to be accepted at the Naval Academy. When I went to Annapolis, it was my dream to become a surface warfare officer and, and be sailing on ships and have that salt water spray in my face. But during the 1980s and during my time at Annapolis, I got a real appreciation for the submarine force. And at the height of the Cold War, it was really our submarine force that was making the real difference and keeping the peace. And I thought it was the most challenging thing I could do. So I decided to become a submarine officer and was fortunate to get accepted into that program. Uh, upon graduation, I was assigned to USS Daniel Webster, which is one of our ballistic missile submarines, and spent my junior officer tour on board a submarine. And after that, I joined the reserve component for many years. And then uh, as I went up through the ranks in, in reserves, I was ultimately recalled back to active duty 
and served out my last four years on active duty. So I've been a submarine officer in the Navy for 30 years, but spending a lot of my time on the shore-based commands that actually focus on mostly on anti-submarine warfare to ensure we can keep track of our adversaries' submarines. But it's just been a really super experience where I've interacted with so many brilliant and wonderful people. No, it's great. And I, and I do want to talk to you about your submarine duty in particular here in a minute, but tell us a little bit about the Sea Cadets and, and what that organization does. So as you mentioned, Sea Cadets is the Navy's youth development program. So we give young men and women skills, knowledge, and confidence so they can become productive, responsible Americans who appreciate our maritime services. And we do that by offering them fun and challenging opportunities to try new things, to fail in a safe environment, to try again, and then ultimately succeed. We want our cadets to step outside of their comfort zones and, and try new challenges. And we do that by offering this huge variety of different training opportunities from recruit training, seamanship, navigation, marksmanship, and things that you would naturally associate with the Navy. But the U.S. Navy, as you probably know, does a huge variety of things. So we incorporate aviation and robotics and STEM, culinary, medical training, submarines, of course, and special forces training as well. So there's this huge variety of opportunities that these young men and women can get exposed to that young high school student may not even be aware of the wide variety of things there are to do in the world. And so we offer that huge variety to lots of young men and women with the opportunity to grow and lead and see what they want to do in life. Oh, that sounds really amazing. And as, as you know well, at Mission Readiness, our members and staff are focused on strengthening national security by ensuring kids stay fit, stay in school, stay out of trouble. And I know that focus has a direct alignment with the Sea Cadets program. How does your program support the development of healthy habits and positive outcomes with young kids? In Sea Cadets, we actually have a physical fitness requirement. So that's one of the things that distinguishes our youth program from some others. And the reason we have that is because it is so critical to the Navy and the other armed forces. So we want our young men and women to remain fit. And so we have physical fitness requirements that they have to meet. They pass a PT test. And during our recruit training, which is sort of our basic indoctrination training for sea cadets, there's a strong physical fitness component. And so we re-emphasize that throughout the uh, sea cadet experience that these young men and women go through. Any feedback from the cadets themselves about the emphasis on these healthy habits and this fitness? Yes. One of the things that has struck me interacting with these young cadets, and I'll just tell you, getting together with these young men and women is so energizing. They want to be challenged. They want to do hard things. And uh, some of the testimonials I've had from these cadets, let me just read you some. One young person said, Sea Cadets disciplined me, helped me grow into a better person, made me stronger mentally and physically. Sea Cadets rewired my whole life. Another cadet says, I came into this group having trouble advocating for myself, having trouble staying in shape and figuring out who I was. But every Saturday morning, I had to get up early at 7 a.m. And those morning wake-ups were well worth it. When I didn't want to keep pushing, 
I remember some people who did, and they showed me that just because something is difficult, it doesn't mean it can't be done. So our cadets are really thriving in this environment and, and really enjoy the challenges. That's amazing and really, really uh, gratifying to hear. Well, you've, you've mentioned fitness a number of times, and we hear about in the military a culture of fitness, and obviously Sea Cadets is preparing young men and women for that. But from your experience, was there a culture of fitness in the Navy? And if so, how was that culture sustained throughout your career? Absolutely. There was a culture of fitness, you know, from my first days at the U.S. Naval Academy when we did group physical fitness through my career when we had to take twice a year physical fitness assessments, there was always an emphasis on physical fitness. The term culture of fitness is newer, but I think there always was a culture of fitness. What I can tell you is during the past 30 years, there's been a renewed emphasis on health and well-being. We have recognized more and more how essential it is to be healthy and fit in order to have a ready force that is ready to defend our nation. So physical fitness has become linked not just with the hard work that some soldiers may need to do out in the field, but just with overall well-being and staying healthy. So physical fitness is really a readiness issue for the armed forces. And I've, I've seen a strong increasing in that over the past 20 years. And I can give you an example of some of the things the Navy has done to make it easier for sailors to stay in shape. One is to make sure our fitness centers are open all hours because sailors and other folks in the military stand duty at odd times of the day and night. And they may have watch schedules that don't line up with civilian schedules. So our physical fitness centers are open to accommodate sailors and to be ready for them when the sailors need it. No, that's an absolutely great example. And, and I've seen that on other services as well, keeping those 24-7 and fitness centers. Well, let me let me talk a little bit about leading by example, because you and I both know as former leaders in the military and flag officers that leadership by example is so important for us. And I'm just curious, what did that mean to you in terms of physical fitness and health? Uh, I've seen very strong examples from our most senior leaders about leading by example when it comes to physical fitness. During my uh, two-year tour at the Pentagon recently, I would get up very early in the morning to go to the Pentagon gym. And in that fitness center at 5.30 in the morning were many admirals and generals and senior executives, and they were just killing it on the treadmills and, and lifting some pretty heavy weights too. I was speaking uh, just earlier this week with a vice admiral who I regularly saw in the fitness center, and I said, hey, sir, are you still going to the fitness center every day? And he said, yeah, Andy, you know, it's really about mental fitness. And that's been uh, this incredible focus on mental fitness for senior executives, because these generals and admirals are making really hard decisions. They have a lot of stress. And even though most of their work is mental, not physical, being in good physical condition helps with mental acuity and alertness and stress reduction. So even at the most senior levels, there's a strong emphasis on this. When I was first promoted to admiral, there was a training session that all new admirals go through, 
And during this training session, we learn executive leadership techniques, how to deal with Congress, how to deal with the press and policies. But there's also a health and wellness part. And the health and wellness part was not just we're going to get taught about health and wellness, but we know kidding PT. So if you can just imagine a group of 50 something men and women doing group PT being led by uh, some junior Marine, it's pretty amazing. So we absolutely live what we say. And I do remember those early mornings in the, uh, the POAC, as we used to call it, the Pentagon Officers Athletic Club or something. And it's changed now, open to everybody, but it does get busy early. Absolutely. Well, you spent a lot of time besides the Pentagon in some pretty challenging operational environments. And you mentioned being a submariner. I would love to know what you and your fellow sailors did to stay healthy and fit while underway on submarines. Well, I'll tell you, on submarines, it was a real challenge because, as you can imagine, there is very, very little space. There's probably enough room to do sit-ups and push-ups and, and maybe lunges. Some people use those fitness bands to provide some resistance training, but it is uh, very difficult. On my boat, and in the Navy, we refer to submarines as boats. So on my boat, we had a rowing machine and a treadmill and some weights. So those people who were extremely dedicated were, were really able to stay in shape, but it required amazing discipline. It's especially difficult uh, on the submarine. There's a lot of work. And you know, when we get free time, we really want to sleep. So it requires extra discipline to take the time to get fit. And then the other challenge is the amazing food we had on submarines. We were served meals four times a day, breakfast, lunch, dinner, and midnight rations uh, called midrats. And our culinary specialists, our cooks were amazing. And we had fresh bread at every meal. So that combination made it a real challenge. Uh, it's not impossible, but it does require extra discipline. I would also note that the purpose of submarines is to remain stealthy. And so silence is essential. So knocking around a bunch of heavy weights or using gym equipment can give your position away. So the opportunities are somewhat fewer on submarines so we can retain our stealth. Wow, that is absolutely fascinating. And I never thought about all those challenges to stay and fit on a submarine. Was it different on other naval ships? Indeed, I was fortunate to spend a little bit of time on a destroyer and some aircraft carriers. Certainly on the aircraft carrier where there's lots of space, they actually have a full fitness center. And because there are flight decks and hangar decks, there are opportunities to do group PT sessions, group aerobic sessions, and they really do. And those are well attended because they're great morale boosters as well. What is really interesting I found about exercising on a ship is unlike, unlike your, your fitness center on base, the ship moves and the ship rocks back and forth and pitches up and down uh, even slightly. If you are pressing up on a heavy weight and the ship is moving up, it's impossible. It's so much harder. And then if the ship is depressing down into a, a trough of a wave, while you're pressing up, it's, it, your weight just feels like a feather. Even those very subtle motions in the platform are magnified when you're uh, lifting weights. Of course, if the seas are too heavy, we secure the fitness center so people don't get hurt. But uh, that was just a really interesting experience for me. 
That's fascinating. Well, I want to turn to some of the the data about young Americans' ability to serve. The current DOD data, Department of Defense, seems to show that about 77% of young Americans ages 17 to 24 are not eligible to serve in the military, which is an astounding figure. Some of it is due to physical, some of it is due to weight, but it's also due to adolescent mental health and academic performance. And we know the the Sea Cadets is a program that helps with that. So I'm just curious what you've seen in working with Sea Cadets that speaks to their readiness around academics and mental well-being. Absolutely. Sea Cadets is really looking to develop the whole person. We want these youth to become great adults. And there's a lot uh, that goes into mental, physical, and spiritual well-being. And we focus on all of those. When it comes to mental health, we do offer teen mental health courses. And not only do we offer those uh, webinars and courses for our cadets, but even for those recently graduated cadets, some young people after they've left high school may lose the structure of that uh, environment and a little bit lost. So we have forgotten about those young men and women and uh, offer resources for them as well. When it comes to academics, absolutely, we want our cadets to do well in school. And so there is a requirement that you can't be failing out of school and be in C cadets. And we offer a ribbon for academic performance. And I had one mom tell me that her son had horrible grades. He liked Sea Cadets so much. And when he found out he could earn a ribbon for getting good grades, his grades went way up. So that was a bit of a success story there. Oh, that's great. Well, I understand there's some special Sea Cadet events on the horizon, some of which our guests could even get involved with if they wanted to, including something called the Navy Mile. Could you share some details about that? as well as other ways that our listeners can support the Sea Cadets. The uh, Navy Mile is an event that's hosted by the Navy League. So the Navy League is an organization throughout the country. It's been around for well over 100 years that advocates for the Navy in Congress and in communities to raise awareness about the Navy and to ensure that the next generation is ready to be in the Navy. The Navy League is offering a fundraising event called the Navy Mile. It's going to be run on October 16th. You can do it here with us in Washington, D.C., or you can participate remotely if you wish. There's certainly lots of ways that people can get involved with Sea Cadets and help us. We are always looking for adult volunteers to lead our programs. We really cannot do it without that adult supervision. And these adult volunteers are absolute saints. They give their personal time to spend with teenagers and give up sometimes weeks of their vacation. But no matter how much time you can give, a few hours or a few days, if you want to volunteer with our program, we always have opportunities for adults who can set a good example and and be a leader to young people. If folks want to find out more information about how to volunteer or about the Sea Cadets in general, where do they go? What's the website? Our website is ccadets.org, and there'll be an opportunity to join or volunteer, so take a look around. We have 380 units spread throughout the nation, Guam, Saipan, and Puerto Rico. Wow, that's awesome. A lot of opportunities there to, to serve and volunteer with the Sea Cadets. 
Well, let's turn to you real quick. What do you do to stay in shape and maintain a healthy diet now that you've retired? I know all of us, uh, after we leave the military, struggle sometimes with staying in shape now that there's no pressure of those annual or semi-annual PT tests you mentioned. There's no weigh-ins anymore. We don't have to be in uniform. And so I'm curious what you personally do to stay in shape and maintain a healthy diet. Well, as I look at it, health has got two major aspects, diet and exercise. So on diet, it's about eating the right things and not eating the wrong things. That's a huge challenge for me because I have a horrible sweet tooth and I love chocolate. It's really essential for me to not eat too much chocolate and too many sweets. So what I've done mentally there is to, instead of saying to myself, I am rejecting chocolate, it's really not a choice between sweets or not eating sweets, but I, I frame the choices. It's a choice between eating chocolate or being fit. And if I eat a chocolate bar, I might feel good for 10 or 15 minutes, but if I can fit into my trousers better and I feel more alert and energized during the day, that's a, a feeling that can last much longer. So uh, it's a struggle, but that's how I frame that question. When it comes to exercise, you, know, you can run and do cardio or lift and maybe one day's arms, one day's legs. That's a little complicated for me. For me, the challenge is to just get out of bed in the morning and go. What I try to do is remove all obstacles to success. And so I lay out my PT gear the night before, ensure my car is packed the night before. So it's very easy for me to get to the gym and I think another element to that is to decide to go to the gym the night before. So the decision's already made. I'm going to go to the gym in the morning. Then when the alarm goes off, I just get out of bed. What I want to avoid is having the alarm go off. And then I'm thinking, do I want to go to the gym or not? That is not the time to be making the decision. So commit to the decision the night before and then in the morning, it's merely executing on that decision. Oh, no, that's great advice. I appreciate you sharing that with us. One last question. We ask all our podcast guests, what books have you been reading lately that you might recommend to our listeners? Uh, there's so many great ones out there. But one that I recently reread is called The Greatest Salesman in the World by Og Mandino. And when I was a young boy, my father had that book in the house and it's pretty short. So I read it and I just remember maybe being in middle school and really being inspired by that book. Recently, my father-in-law gave his grandsons, my children, uh, that book, The Greatest Salesman in the World. I was like, oh, I haven't seen this book in decades. So I picked it up and I reread it and I was just inspired anew. Ogmandino is a great author. He talks a lot about having good habits and, and trying and persisting for success. Uh, he says, essentially, if you're not failing, you're not trying. He also inspires us to not try to be like everybody else. Just try to be the best version of you that you can be. And to not allow self-pity to bother you and, and to be able to laugh at the world. Uh, he also puts a real call to action. He says that the best map in the world has never carried anybody in anywhere. It's really you taking action. So Augmentino weaves together this uh, beautiful story 
about these challenges as someone goes through uh, his life. And I just found so many of his messages very affirming and inspirational. So I highly recommend The Greatest Salesman in the World by Og Mandino. Well, Admiral Lennon, thank you so much for joining us on the Mission Readiness Podcast and sharing with us a little bit about what the Sea Cadets do uh, and how you benefit America's youth. Well, thank you so much. This has been an absolute pleasure. And I'm just so excited that there's an organization addressing this critical issue. Dr. Mark Esper, the former Secretary of Defense, uh, has an article, opinion piece that he published, I think, this week that talks about the critical need for American national security to have top-notch volunteers. And you just pointed out that so few of our youth are even eligible to join. And that's just really scary from a national defense perspective. So I'm glad there's an organization like Mission Readiness that's addressing this important issue. Oh, thank you. Becky, I really enjoyed that conversation with Admiral Lennon about the Sea Cadets. And I know you were a teacher and, and have been in education. What do you think about the conversation? I also really enjoyed it. I had the privilege of serving as a teacher for several years and as a counselor for several years in a few different school districts. And the focus that they put on the Sea Cadets of really developing the whole person and really not just being a successful seaman, but also being a successful leader in multiple contexts, I think is a really beautiful thing that we don't see very often. And it really allows these young people to develop into leaders for whatever they're going to do after their time in K-12 education. So that I think is one of the most wonderful things I heard throughout the entirety of the conversation. I'd be curious to hear what you think, having served as that's not an experience of mine, what did you think? Oh, I could not agree more. And, and, and as you know, from your work with Mission Readiness, we are struggling so much right now to help our nation's youth serve in the military. And so many of them, 77% are unable to do so. That is, It's exciting to hear about a program that young people enjoy being a part of that also prepares them to, if they want to, serve. And even if they don't, just to live better adult lives. So I, I agree. I thought it was a great conversation and I really enjoyed it. Well, thanks for listening to the Mission Readiness Podcast. Today's show was written and produced by Jake Ferrara, Kimberly Little, and Becky Mendoza. For more about Mission Readiness or to find an archive of every episode of the podcast, visit strongnation.org. The program is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Please subscribe, give us a positive review, and tell your friends about the program. Until next time, thank you for supporting our work at Mission Readiness to strengthen national security by ensuring kids stay in school, in shape, and out of trouble. Thank you.